Lord, greater is a single moment with you than any time away from you. Lord, you truly are everything that we need. Lord, your word is clear. You give us, you give us everything we need for life and godliness. That every good and perfect gift comes from you. That you give us life and give us life abundantly. That no good gift will you withhold from us. And Lord, we know that all to be true. Lord, so often though we, we still do stray, we still do turn our attention away from you. Lord, your word is clear in that as well. We simply need to turn back to you. We reach out to you, we find you reaching out to us already. And so Lord, if there's any of us here tonight who have strayed, who have even turned a little, Lord, right now in our hearts, we turn back to you. Lord, we know that you, you have everything for us. And Lord, we're here tonight because we know that to be true and we know that your word is alive and active. Lord, that your word has truth for us that we need. So Lord, fill us with your truth. Fill us with your wisdom. Lord, sanctify us tonight. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Have your way here tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, say hi to those around you here tonight and grab your Bibles as you sit down. Have a seat. Take out your Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible tonight, grab one from under a seat by, close by in front of you there. 1 Kings chapter 11 is where we'll start tonight. You guys enjoying this uh, cold front that came through? Is that great? It only got up to, what, 106 today. That's awesome. By the way, just a reminder... Next week, we will not be having our Wednesday night Bible study because of VBS, because you all are going to be helping out serving in that. That's why you're so prompt in answering, I'm sure. We need help, guys. Um, we still need, especially in the evening session. And if I could just make one last plea for that, if you have not signed up to help, if you have even a single evening available next week, if not a couple... The evening sessions are the ones that fill up primarily with kids that don't attend our church, and a lot of them don't attend any church. And it's a great way for us to reach out into our community, bless some kids. You don't need to be teachers. You know, as a matter of fact, the positions that we need are assistants, just assistants to help those assistant leads to take them from station to station. And, and uh, if you'd just be, be willing to do that, even if just a couple, three nights next week, but really it'd be great if you could help out every night, but just whatever it 
whatever's, whatever you can. If you could get a hold of the children's ministry, um, either see them tonight afterwards. You could stop down at the end of the hallway after, t- after our, we're done tonight or go online or call the office, talk to the children's ministry. We still need, like I said, volunteers, especially for the evening sessions next week. All right, so 1 Kings chapter 11. We started in a few verses uh, into chapter 11 last week. We'll back up and take a look at the whole chapter tonight. We're looking at the end of the life of King Solomon, son of King David. We saw a man who started out as king in Israel at a very young age, late teen probably. A man who realized that the calling upon him to be the king of this, uh, this nation of God's chosen people was way, way above him, way over his pay grade, way over his head. And the Lord appeared to him and said, I will grant you anything that you wish. And we see in this young man an amazing heart at an early age to ask for wisdom. He could have asked for anything. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for power. He could have asked for anything, but he asked for wisdom. And God said, because you've asked for that, I will grant you that. And in addition to that, I will grant you riches and, and safety and, and power and all of those things. And we sit, we've seen now it through, as we've studied through Solomon's life, Solomon became the richest man that has ever lived. He became the most powerful man. There was peace all around. He, never, he didn't have to fight any wars. We're going to see that there were some skirmishes. We'll see some of those tonight. But didn't, fight, didn't have to fight any wars. The wisest man that ever lived. But we're going to see that this story doesn't end as well as it began. As a matter of fact, we started to look at this last week. We see a man who... After spending all of these years, we're going to see he ruled as king for 40 years. So he started, you know, again, let's do late, late teens, perhaps 20, didn't, probably did not see his 60th birthday. And because of, through this time, we're going to see that though he had all of this wisdom, it, it did not end as well as it began. So we see chapter 11, it begins now. King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, And his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. We looked at this last time, but it bears repeating. God very explicitly said in Deuteronomy on a couple of occasions, as he was laying out the law to the children of Israel, when you get into the promised land... You are not, and he repeats, not to intermarry with the people that are there. And he gave the reason why. Do not marry their daughters. Do not take them as wife, because they will turn your heart away from me. He also said, as when you, when you ha- ask for a king and you get a king, that king is not to multiply wives. He is not to multiply horses or chariots. He is not to go back to Egypt to get horses. Specifically, God lays this out, and we see Solomon later in his life, he goes against all of those things. 
multiply whites, I'd say, 700. <laughs> and, and, and the Holy Spirit prompts the author of 1 Kings to say princesses, <laughs> all of them, I'm sure. And the, the the we look through this this he he goes against that but then we saw at the end of chapter ten he went to Egypt he imported horses from Egypt he had so many horses and chariots that he started brokering them selling them to other nations going against what God had said and we we looked you know we talked about possible reasons for that last week we we don't we don't know for sure but a man that started out so well. Seeking to please God with the request that he had. I want to know how to rule your people, God. These are the people you've placed me over and I can't do this. And I want to please you and I want to serve them. So give me the wisdom to do that. Started out so well. We saw that he then built a temple, a house for God. The, following after the heart of his father who could not do that. God forbade David to build the temple. David got all of the supplies. Solomon built it. We saw the dedication of the temple then and his prayer. A man, truly, his heart was in the right place. But it, it began to turn began to turn as he did not obey the words of God. We read through the book of Proverbs. How many of you read through the Proverbs on a regular basis? Quite a few of you. That's a good practice to get into. By the way, in case you don't know, there's 31 Proverbs. And most months have 31 days. And so you read through the proverb of the day, and it's a good habit to get into, and you read through those. And if you're in the habit of doing that, and you think who wrote them, it was Solomon, you wonder, dude, if you'd have just done what you said in most of these, we wouldn't have had all of these problems that you, that you ran into. The problem is that it's not enough to know God's will. It's not enough to even to speak God's will or to write God's will or to memorize God's will if you're not going to live it out. If you're not going to walk it out and walk out the truths. And it's not enough to just start the race well. We need to finish the race well. And we see here again Solomon in... <laughs> His, his great wisdom, turning away from God's will, turning away from God's direct commands, must have been thinking, again, I'm smart enough to make this work. I'm smart enough to be able to go against what God explicitly said and still make it work, and even with the right intentions. The Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked. If you are here tonight and you are not married and you are in a relationship, a dating relationship, thinking, contemplating at all, a long-term relationship with someone who is not a believer, the Bible says do not do it. You might be thinking, well, I'm smart enough. I'm going to be able to turn them. I'm going to make them a Christian. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> you need to break off that relationship, still stay friends with them, still continue with that and encourage them. And, as, and when, they, and when they, the Lord leads them to repentance... And they become a believer then. Amen. But I've heard so many times. I've come across it so many times. Good friends of mine who have said, yeah, I know the Bible says, but. There's no buts when it follows. I know what the word of God says. <laughs> There's only ands that follow that. Unfortunately, Solomon didn't follow that. And it says, notice again in verse 3, his wives turned his heart away, just like God said. Notice the word surely in verse 2. They will surely turn your heart away. And they did. Solomon did not 
follow after the Lord wholly, devoting himself to the Lord as his father David had, as it tells us, and we're going to see that a couple more times. And that does not mean that he was sinless like David was, because David wasn't sinless. We looked at the life of David many times sinned, many times broke God's law, but he, all, he never went away from God and worshipped other gods. The, he, he always had a heart that was after God and God alone, repented when he came under conviction, returned to the Lord, and we do not see that take place in our story here with Solomon. Verse 5, not only did his wives turn his heart away, look at it, where it, this leads, the first step is disobedience. The second step then in it is a, is a slide to, to compromise. But look at how far it goes. For Solomon, verse 5, went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, who was, the, the worship of Ashtoreth was completely immoral. It included both male and female temple prostitutes. It was a very sexually orientated religion. It was, it was very, totally depraved. And Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Again, repeating that statement. Verse 7, then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is, which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. These gods, these idols, involved sacrifice, human, infant sacrifice. Now, we don't know if it went that far here, but it very possibly did. They would heat up, the, they would make these big bronze altars of Molech, and they would heat up his arms till they were incandescent, hot, glowing hot, and place the live infant baby on the arms. That was part of the worship. And the drums would be beating so loud to drown out the sound of the babies screaming. That was involved in the worship of Molech. And it says that he built, built shrines and, and um, high places for them on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem. Do you know what mountain that is? The Mount of Olives. That is the mountain that is east of Jerusalem. East then, the, as, the, as they would be up on the temple where the sacrifices are taking place, Mount of Olives is right across the Kidron Valley, less than a mile away, right there. These other, this idol, other idol worship is going on. Thus he did, verse 8, for all his foreign wives who, bur who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. All his foreign wives. He said he's got 700 of them. Don't know how many were foreign, but a lot of them. Remember back in chapter 8, I'll just read it to you. Solomon's benediction that he was saying to the people when he devoted the temple. Chapter 8, verse 61. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly devoted to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. We talked at that time, Solomon, when he prayed, lifted his arms towards heaven and eventually was, was kneeling before the altar again within eyeshot now of where these detestable places are built. Verse 9, Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. God appearing to Solomon twice. 
and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, now we don't know if he's speaking directly here or through a prophet, possibly the prophet Ahijah, who we'll meet in a few verses. Because you have done this, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David, but I will tear it out of your hand, or I'm sorry, out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen." God's speaking to Solomon and saying, because of this, because you have not followed. Remember, when God appeared to Solomon and when he spoke to to David, if you follow my ways, if you worship me and me alone, I will bless you. You and your sons will be on the throne and, and you will rule over Israel. But if you don't, it will be taken from you. And Solomon did not heed that warning. And we do not see any response from Solomon here. It's not recorded to us what Solomon said or did in reaction to this, to this warning that comes or this statement now that comes from God. I wonder, again, if he would have just heeded what it was that he prayed. Remember what he, what he prayed over and over in his prayer of dedication during the temple. Lord, when your people sin and they repent, hear from heaven and forgive their sin. He went over and over that again, if he would have only heeded again what it was that he, that he said when this came to him, just repenting and turning. But again, we see no response from Solomon. Verse 14, then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was of the royal line of Edom, which is a, the descendants of Esau. For it came about when David was in Edom And Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain and had struck down every male in Edom. We we saw that many chapters ago. For Joab and all Israel stayed there six months until they had cut off every male from Edom, trying to, again, wipe out this this group. That that Hadad, verse 17, had fled to Egypt. He and and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, while Hadad was a young boy. They arose from Midian and came to Paran, and they, took, and they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house and assigned him food and gave him land. So he flees, makes, develops a friendship with Pharaoh at the time, and we talked of this as you know, possible reasons why David married foreign wives and Solomon does to make peace treaties with them. Solomon married a daughter of Pharaoh to have peace with Egypt. And again, turning their back on what God said. God says, trust me, I'll protect you. They said, okay, sounds great, but I'm going to have an insurance policy. I'm going to marry daughters of all of the kings around. That'll help too. Again, turning their back on that. Now we see also Hadad now, an Edomite, an enemy of David, an enemy of Israel. He goes to Egypt, does the same type of thing. You're going to see, and he doesn't marry a daughter. He, gets, he marries the Pharaoh's sister-in-law. Found great favor before Pharaoh. 
so that he gave him in marriage to the sister of his own wife, the sister of Tapanes, the queen. The sister of Tapanes bored him Genabath, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house, and Genabath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. So Hadad has a son through, the, his, through Pharaoh's wife's sister, and his, this son is then raised in Pharaoh's courts, kind of like Moses, you know, many, many years before. But when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, send me away that I may go to my own country. Let me go back now. Let me go back to Edom, where that, that is in southern Israel, between Egypt and Israel, to the south. And Pharaoh said to him, but what have you lacked with me, that behold, you are seeking to go to your own country? And he answered, nothing. Nevertheless, you must surely let me go. God raised up another adversary to him, Solomon, Reason, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadadzer, king of Zobah. He gathered men to himself and became a leader of a marauding band after David slew them of Zobah, and they went to Damascus and stayed there and reigned in Damascus. So here we see another man, Rezan, who'd been defeated again at the hand of David. He flees from David. He goes to the north develops Damascus. So he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, along with the evil that Hadad did, and he abhorred Israel and reigned over Aram. So here we see adversaries, problems from the north and from the south that God noticed, it tells us in verse 14, the Lord raised up the adversary. God, even though these men didn't worship God, they didn't follow God, they didn't seek God and say, hey, can, can, can we be useful to you? <laughs> God said, I'm going to use you. And, he's, and he, he uses tools. God has every tool available to him to use as he pleases. We see that, and we're going to see that used again and again as we continue through the, the, the life of, of the children of Israel, that God will use People that have nothing to do with him, don't even know anything of him, to bring them in and to, to bring punishment onto his people. And, and again, God is almighty. He is sovereign. And he uses these two, one from the north, one from the south. And now we're going to see a, an adversary that is raised up even from within the ranks. Verse 26. Then Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zerida. Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zorah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. Now we don't, it's, it, the rebellion comes a little bit later, and, but it's outlined for us it, it, that the Lord again is moving in this regard. Now this was the reason why he rebelled against the king. Solomon built the Milo and closed up the breach of the city of his father David. Now, the man, Jeroboam, was a valiant warrior. He was, a, he was a mighty man. He was, he was strong in stature. That means, again, there's a lot of, he's, he's got a lot going on. He's a leader. He's a, he's a valiant man. He's brave. And when Solomon saw the young man was industrious, so he's also smart, he's, he's clever, Solomon, being a wise man, appointed him over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh, the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh in that territory. Now, Jeroboam, being an Ephraimite, 
All of these things coming into play, and it'll, it'll come into play in a big way in a moment, we're going to see. But here we see Solomon places him over all of these in forced labor. We spoke of this, that they were not slaves to Solomon if you are an Israelite. He, there were, all of the other foreigners were slaves, but there was required labor on all of them. Remember, to build the temple, to build his, to build his house, to, do, to, to produce everything that Solomon required to continue his big machine that was going. We've talked about his, his incredible empire. So all of this is going on, and Jeroboam was one that worked for Solomon to keep that going in the, in the area of Ephraim and Manasseh. came about at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, the Shilonite found him on the road. Now Ahijah had clothed himself with a new cloak, and both of them were alone in the field. When Ahijah took a hold of the new cloak which was on him, he tore it into twelve pieces. He said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give you ten tribes. But he will have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel. Because they have forsaken me. He's going to outline it here, the reasons for. Because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the sons of Ammon, and they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and observing my statutes and my ordinances, as his father David did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose, who observed my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom from his son's hand and give it to you, even ten tribes. But to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may have a lamp always before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen for myself to put my name. Now listen as he continues, again, the Lord speaking through the prophet to Jeroboam. He says, I will take you and you shall reign over whatever you desire and you shall be king over Israel. Then it will be that if, if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways, and do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build you an enduring house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. The Lord speaking through the prophet again to Jeroboam, saying, this was what was given to Solomon, and he blew it. He turned his back on me. He did not follow my commandments and my statutes. But if you will, I'm giving you ten. Here's what they did. Don't do that. Here, follow me. My commandments. Do what I say. Follow me and me alone. Then it will be all yours. These ten tribes, you will have just what I promised David, it will be yours. Thus I will afflict the descendants of David for this, but not always. Solomon sought, therefore, to put Jeroboam to death. Somehow, this information got back to Solomon. Jeroboam, it tells us that Jeroboam and Ahijah were alone when this took place. So, 
Again, either Jeroboam started talking and word got back to Solomon, or, as I mentioned earlier, it possibly was Ahijah, the prophet that spoke to Solomon to give, us, give him that word, and perhaps that information then was given through Ahijah that, to Solomon as well. We don't know. But notice again, Solomon, instead of repenting, he tries to put Jeroboam to death. But Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Verse 41, now the rest of the acts of Solomon and whatever he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? Thus the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of his father David. And his son Rehoboam reigned in his place. It tells us that there was, it says that the book of the Acts of Solomon, annals that were recording much more of Solomon's life and all that he did that we don't have record of. That, the Lord did not preserve that for us, that record. What he did preserve for us is his word. And so we don't know how it specifically ended for Solomon. We have to go back a few chapters before we get the last words that Solomon, it's recorded for us in 1 Kings that he wrote. No doubt, however, we do have more words that were written later on recorded for us. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes is a book written by Solomon. And it's, it's good for, for all of us to read through that. It's in its entirety. It's in the Word of God. But especially as we're studying through this, I'd recommend you do that this week. That, and it speaks of Solomon and all of the things that he chased after and all of the things that, again, he did that, you know, he, he, in his great wisdom, well, I'm going to chase after this and I'm going to see where this road leads. And I'm just going to, you know, you read through Ecclesiastes, you realize because Solomon didn't have any wars and he really didn't have to work for anything and all of this other stuff, Solomon had way too much time on his hands because he went after and chased after everything. But it says this at the end, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, it says, the conclusion when all has been heard is this. Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Over and over in the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, vanity of, vani vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All of these other things that he chased after, money, wisdom, greater wisdom, sexual pleasures, all of these other things. He said all of them is vanity. All of it. All of it is empty. There's nothing at the end of all of that. And he says at the end of it, guys, this is it. Here's what it is. The conclusion of it all, fear God. Follow his commandments. And I've said this before, and it bears repeating, experience is a good teacher. But it doesn't have to be our experience that we learn from. We can learn from his experience, the experience of the wisest man that ever lived. He said, guys, it's not worth it to chase after all of these other things. I, I, if you were here this weekend, I gave, you a, I gave you a math equation. Anybody here remember what that was this weekend? 
God plus me equals victory. God plus me is a majority, right? Well, there's another math equation that's in the Bible, and it tells us, and it's, and it's important because, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of grief against prosperity teaching. The Bible teaches prosperity teaching. It tells us, there's an equation. It tells us in, in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, what does it say? It says, godliness plus contentment is great gain is prosperity. The Bible tells us also, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, that we have been given as believers everything for a life, for life and godliness. So God has given us godliness. So the part of the equation that we need to bring in order to have, to prosper and everything is what? The other part of the equation, contentment. Godliness is given to us as believers. We need, to man, we need to work that out, yes. But that is something that we all have in us. Contentment is something that we need to cultivate. There's a verse that's used, and I know, and before, before you guys go too crazy and start texting people real quick and say, Pastor Brett's turned prosperity gospel on. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Understand what I mean. There are many in the so-called prosperity movement that use Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, as one of their go-to verses that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the verse that they, that they carry and they hold on to, and they say, man, just name it and claim it then, because if through Christ you could do all things. That has taken that verse completely out of context. Let me read it to you in context. Verse 11, we're going only back two verses. Now that I, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of both being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. You want to know the secret? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I know how to suffer because I can go through suffering because of Christ who strengthens me. I know how to go hungry because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be prosperous and still be godly because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, the key to prosperity is not getting what I want. The key to prosperity is wanting what I get. Lord, what do you have for me? Paul said, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. <laughs> he had to go through some, some processes to learn it, and we go through that. I've learned the secret to be content. Because I've had to go through it, and I've had to trust the fact that Christ is in me to get me through the difficulties, to get me through the highs and the lows. If, if Solomon would have only learned contentment, I think that's the, the biggest thing that I see in, in the life of Solomon. If he would have only learned contentment, to be content with what God had given him, far more than any of us will 
will ever experience, even physically or whatever. But he was never satisfied. He was never content with that. He kept on chasing after more and more things and other things. What the world offered. Egypt, Egypt is a picture in, in the word of the world. Running to the world. Going after the world. And we see Solomon going to the world for a wife. Going to the world for horses. Going to the world for chariots. Going to the world. The Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You, you who have no money... Come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. It's God's invitation to everyone. Everyone. But the question again comes, why do you go after the things that can't satisfy? God created every one of us. He's placed within us desires, yes, but there's only, there's only the ways that he prescribes to meet those desires. We can chase after fulfillment any other direction and we will never be satisfied. I love that, that commercial as an illustration for this because the truth of the matter is, if you are really hungry, can a Snickers satisfy you? Really? That's what their commercial claims? Snickers really satisfies. No, it doesn't. Do you know what a Snickers bar does to somebody who's hungry? It covers up their symptoms. They're still hungry. Their body is still craving real nutrition. That's the way God wired us. But you don't get that in a Snickers bar. And that's, what ha that's the lie of the world, too. The lie of the world says, come after this and it will satisfy you. No, it won't. It'll cover up the symptoms. It'll cover up some of that desire. But it will leave you still hungry. Only God can satisfy. And in that understanding, it truly is through Christ that we have everything and that we can do everything. Solomon, if he did understand that and figured it out at the very end, he recorded it for it as at Ecclesiastes. We don't see that in 1 Kings. You might wonder, is, is, is Solomon in heaven? I don't know. I, th th some people don't believe so. I do. I think he is. I believe he's in heaven. I can tell you one thing. I'm not going to give him any mother-in-law jokes when I get there. I'm not. <laughs> There's certain things I'm not going to mention if he's there and we get to sit down and have a chat. Anyway, verse 43, moving on. Solomon slept with his father. He's, he, he, he dies. He's buried in the city of his father, David. He reigned for 40 years. We see here now his son, Rehoboam, reigned in his place. Now, don't confuse that with Jeroboam. Jeroboam we've met already, and we're going to see him back and forth. And Rehoboam is his son. And it's, and it's confusing. Very close. Jeroboam, Rehoboam. Why did God make them the name? So I don't know. So maybe you have to pay closer attention. Maybe. Right. Jeroboam, Rehoboam. Jeroboam, not his son. Rehoboam, his son. Jeroboam, the one that's promised that he's going to take the ten tribes. Rehoboam, the one those ten tribes are going to be taken from. So, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king, even though he's... Naturally, the successor to follow Solomon, they still had to be 
the, the, the process to go through, we'll find out later that, that Rehoboam is 41 years old. I don't want to make a, a big deal about that, but I found that interesting when I, when I saw that today. I didn't know that before. It didn't register with me before I was reading through it, but saying to 41 years old. What does that mean? He was a year old when Solomon became king. He was a year old when Solomon was 18, 19 years old. We found out after Solomon became king that he married the, that queen and the daughter of the pharaoh in Egypt. So Solomon already had at least one wife before that happened and had a son, Rehoboam, through that relationship. Now, when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, he was living in Egypt, remember, because he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him, the, they, meaning the, 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 those tribes up north, word had probably already started to spread around before again, and it got to Solomon that this was going to take place, and Jeroboam was going to be representing them. Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service, your father and his heavy, and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. They come with this deal. Your father Solomon made a heavy, heavy workload on us. We've had to work and work and work and slave to provide all of the gold and all of the everything and all of the animals and everything that he needed. Lighten up that load on us. If you do that, we will serve you. Then he, Rehoboam, said, Depart for three days and return to me. So the people departed. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel me to answer this people? Then they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today and will serve them and grant them their petition and speaking good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. The first thing that Rehoboam does, you think, man, this, this, this guy's got it. He's going to go to his father's council, the men that had been counsel with Solomon, and ask their advice, the ones who had been closest to him, the ones who had been hearing from him, and get their advice. And their advice is really good advice. You, wanna, you want people to follow you. You want to be a leader. Be their servant. Why is that great advice? that's what Jesus said. <laughs> the, 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 the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what Jesus said. The greatest among you will be a servant. Notice, though, it says, he forsook their counsel. Now, if Solomon had truly sought this, these men's counsel and they gave him similar counsel, what can we say about Solomon? He also forsook that counsel at some point. Started going off the rails. But we see here his son, Rehoboam, forsook the counsel of the elders which they had given him and consulted with young men who grew up with him and served him. So growing up, again, he started out a little, a little one-year-old boy at the beginning of the reign. So this entire reign of Solomon, by the time this, this, man, this Rehoboam was an early teenager and had other friends that he's hanging around with, that, I mean, they, were playing, they weren't playing with, with steel Tonka trucks. They were playing with solid gold Tonka trucks. 
I mean, they, had, they were spoiled, this group of kids. They were, I mean, they had everything growing up this entire time. And, so, and Rehoboam surrounding himself with these kids. They're growing up. They've, they're, they've, they've had, never had a want of anything. So he grabs them and says, hey, guys, what do you think? What counsel do you give me to answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke with which our father has put on us? The young men who grow up with him said this. Thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, now make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Snot-nosed kids. (laughs) Snot-nosed 41-year-old kids. Again, Solomon, man of great wisdom, penned many proverbs. One of them, spare the rod, spoil the child. And by the way, kids, those aren't two commands. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Those aren't two commands, that's one. That's a, that's a statement. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Because I don't think that that Rehoboam got much discipline as a child. Sure doesn't seem like it anyway. So then, Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king had directed, saying, return to me this third day. So they came back. And the king answered the people harshly, for he forsook the advice of the elders which they had given. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young man, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. And I'm not yoking. (laughs) My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So there. So the king did not listen to the people. But notice what it says here. For it was a turn of events from the Lord that he might establish his word, which the Lord spoke through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. In verse 15, we see a beautiful combination of the the mystery that runs all the way through the Bible. Man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. Just because God is sovereign and it says that this turn of events was taking place that it might establish his word, it does not release Rehoboam from what it says that he did not listen to the people. He did not take the wise counsel that came. He rejected the wise counsel because the pride in his own heart and all of those other things, it does not release him from any of that accountability, responsibility in that. Just because God is sovereign. That, again, combination of of how that comes together here. God's will is done. When all Israel saw the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king saying, what portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. The response of the people, whatever. (laughs) Take care of your own problem now, Rehoboam. We're not going to serve you anymore. We, re- we, re- we reject that. We reject you as king. But as for the sons of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. So that's where Jerusalem, including the tribes of Benjamin and Judah together there. The southern kings, or the southern tribes, 
Then Rehoboam said, sent Adoram, who was over forced labor. So he sends out, he's the, they, they re, again, they reject this completely. They go back to their homes, back to their tents. Rehoboam goes back to Jerusalem. He regathers, he says, all right, you know, to this guy, Adoram, he says, all right, now you go out and make sure that they get to work. Pay their taxes, do everything that they do, make sure that they get to work. Here's the reaction, all Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot and flee to Jerusalem. Didn't, didn't, it's not working out like Rehoboam and his friends thought. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Here we see the kingdom divides. The kingdom is, is united through this entire time. From the, from the from from the time from from Abraham on, in the descendants through 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 Jacob and and Joseph the sons the twelve tribes then that come through through that united as 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 one nation. Here we see a division in the nation: the ten northern tribes, the two southern tribes, and we will see this as this continues to go. The ten northern tribes we refer to as the the tribes of Israel. The southern tribes, tribes of Judah. We're going to see that as this goes forward. Does God see two? God sees one nation always through this. They're all his children. But this is through as it's, as it's designed by and broken up here. God keeps his people together. He will reunite them together. With, see, we'll, look to, we'll look at that in more detail obviously later. But Verse 20. It came about when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned and that they had sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. None of the tribe of Judah followed the house, or none but the tribe of Judah followed the house of David. So here we see the complete split. Now when Rehoboam had come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. 180,000 chosen men were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam and the son of, son, the son of Solomon. So Rehoboam's going to gather together 180,000 men. He's going to go to war. He's going to go fight Jeroboam, take back the ten northern tribes. But, verse 22, the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, you must not go up and fight against your relatives, the sons of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing has come from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and returned and went their way according to the word of the Lord. Going up to fight this battle, God sends a prophet and he speaks to Rehoboam and he says, do not go fight against them. This is my doing. Do not go. And it says they listened and only if they would have kept listening. They, they listened here, and the battle does not take place. And we will see now it goes forward, this division, the northern tribes and the southern tribes. Verse 25, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and, bent, and built Penuel. Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom will return to the house of David if this people go up and offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of the people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Jeroboam, here we are, just starting his reign. Just starting his reign of the ten tribes. And notice it says, he said in his heart. He listened to his heart. 
listen to his flesh, listen to, listen to worldly thinking. He starts to process it through. Now the temple is down in Jerusalem. That's where Rehoboam is. That's where people are to take three times a year their sacrifices. The men are all to go three times a year and offer sacrifices. People are to go to the temple. That's the only place where sacrifices can be made. If they go there, their hearts are going to stay there. They're going to turn against me. They'll kill me, and they'll all go back to Rehoboam. Said in his heart. Unfortunately, that's not at all what God said, is it? Remember what God promised him. If you will simply keep my commands, if you will keep my statutes, if you'll walk in my ways, I will make sure that you're king. I'll make sure that the people follow you. But he says in his heart, notice verse 28, not only does he say in his heart, he says, then the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. I have to ask the question, who in the world did he consult that told him that was a good idea? I, what Jew would say, you know, building a golden calf would be an awesome idea. <laughs> Certainly not one that knows their history. And he even quotes what Aaron quoted. Behold your gods. Behold your gods, the ones that brought you out of Egypt. But they did it. He certainly didn't consult the Lord, I know that. He set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people who went to worship before the one as far as Dan, and he made houses on the high places and made priests from all the people who were living, notice, and were not sons of Levi. Levitical, the, the Levitical line is the only place that can have priests. But problem, the Levites are in Jerusalem. The Levites are there. So he says, well, i got to fix that problem too. So he appoints priests that are not Levitic of the line of Levi. Again, going completely against what God says. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like the feast which was in Judah. Different day, different month doing the whole thing, saying, I got to copy that. We got to have something similar to that instead of following what God said. Thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing on the calves which he had made, and he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places in which he had made. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. Again, he came up with all of this on his own and instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. Again, not going to the Lord, not listening to the Lord, falling into the exact same thing that we'll, we'll see this plague throughout. As we follow this through, and we'll see it, an unfortunate trend, there is not one single king that ever follows the Lord of the northern tribes. We're going to see the southern tribes as we go through. There are some good kings, some bad kings. Start, some start out good and end bad. Some start bad, end up good. We're going to see a, quite a... Quite a uh, roller coaster as we go through that but the northern tribes not one king not one good king that ever follows the lord now real quickly i did um, have one it talked about them building that jeroboam built an altar and in, in, in dan and they pl he placed one of the golden calves up there and some of the, and the people of the northern part of the northern tribes would travel up there and that's where they would have their sacrifices that altar has actually been excavated and if you've ever been to Israel especially on one of our trips we stopped there here's a picture from one of our trips where we actually go to Tel Dan 
and that is where the altar was, was built. The steel structure there obviously is a, is a replica of what it would have looked like, possible dimensions, but that is actually the, where Jeroboam built the altar in, in Dan, which is the far north of, of Israel. So just a little plug, we're going to Israel again next February. If you haven't signed up to be a part of that, would like to go get some information, love to have you come with us. Um, weather permitting and Lord permitting, that will certainly be one of the stops we go and see. Well, let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for your word. And though this is a difficult section to go through, not a lot of good things happening. We've looked at some very high points um, in the history of your children, Israel, your people, Israel. Lord, this is certainly one of those low points. But Lord, there's so much that we can glean from this. There's so much that we can learn from this. As, as your word tells us, these, are, these things are recorded for us for a reason. They're recorded for us as an example. They're recorded for us for our learning. And as we saw, for our, we, we don't have to experience it personally. We can learn from the experiences of your people. So Lord, that's our desire. We don't want to make the mistakes that, that your people have throughout this time that we will see going after the, after the world and seeking after other gods. Lord, we want to follow you fully, completely, totally, with all of our heart. We want to be people like David, people after your own heart, seeking you continually. Lord, we know, we know the truth that you have everything that we need, and it's your desire to pour out your grace and your mercy and your love upon us. Your word tells us that, that you don't withhold any good thing from those who seek after you. Lord, teach us to be content. Teach us to desire whatever it is that you have for us. And Lord, as the world sees that, sees that, that we have joy that cannot be taken regardless of our circumstances because we're content, because in you we can do all things. That they would be curious and we would have an answer for the joy that is in us, the hope that is in us. Thank you, Lord. Bless the rest of our week now as we walk in your power, in your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a good rest of the week. Stay cool.